No, Joe's, you're, never Joe's not done with his history yeah. lesson. I know. Yeah. He's going to keep going. Welcome to three in a match. Huh? Here are your categories <laughs> oh, for I round see. one. Okay, okay, okay. All <laughs> at sea. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, no, they're Ladies here. day. Yes. Wow. Yes. What kind of ball? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up today, decide when it's best to grab your booty and jump ship in Dread Curse. Next up, the spice must flow in the board game Frank Herbert's Doom. And lastly, we game show it up 70s style with three on a match. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'll be occupying the center square tonight. Hi, I'm Ed Povelaitis, and all your base are belong to us. Hi, I'm Joe Unfried. I'm a gamer, a game designer, and I play board games the way they were meant to be played. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I control the spice, so I control the universe. <laughs> the first game up today is Dread Curse, designed by Stuart Sisk, produced by Smirk and Dagger Games. Mike, you brought this game to the table. Where'd you find it, maybe? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I first saw this game while it's still in development at my local game store. <laughs> and how is it played? All right. I'm not going to do the pirate accent the whole time because you probably won't understand me. But in Dread Curse, you play the backstabbing crew of a pirate ship fresh from its latest score. Uh, each round, you'll start with a blind bid to determine which crewmate you are, each with their own unique abilities. Next, pirates draw coins from a bag in order of their rank. Uh, after that comes the steal phase, where each crew member has an opportunity to steal doubloons from their neighbors or the captain. Next, each player has an opportunity to pay Jacques the monkey to cause mischief amongst the other pirates. This gains uh -huh. you cards that you can use against the other players later. Uh, finally, players get the chance to either stay on the boat or cut and run, removing them from the game but protecting what booty they have already gained. The game continues until there is one or less pirate on deck or the booty bag runs out. The winner is the player with the highest value of coins without holding the accursed black spot. <laughs> All right. And Mike, why did you bring this to the group? Well, I figured the role play opportunities would be endless for this group. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, Evan, what did you think of the game? I'll state the obvious. I dare you, the listener at home, to not take on the accent and affectations of a pirate when playing this game. It is impossible. <laughs> it totally is. And Joe, how about you? In this game, you got to keep one eye on your stash and the other on your mates. Just like a real pirate ship. But what if you only have one eye? Well, then you got to improvise. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed, how about you? Well... The pirate code is more of a guideline than actual rule. <laughs> hey, Mike, how about you? Uh, you know, what's better than a little backstabbing among friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Arr, I just thought there were a few too many rules for this game. Too many rules? Yeah, like Ed said, they should be more like guidelines than rules. I, I thought I felt like something was almost missing. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but that was just my feeling. Isn't that interesting? We had total opposite feelings there. I thought it was right at the edge of where a game can be to accommodate like a, a diverse group of people. I thought it was actually pretty simple. You draw coins, you try to uh, steal them from each other, and 
Hope you don't end up with the black pot and try to cut and run when you think you have enough. It's simple, but there's a deceptive level of strategy to the game too. Like, oh, I have the black spot. I need to get this guy to get rid of it. I Sometimes I'll reveal information or or hide it. Remember the range of players you can have in the game. Oh, choices? Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, there's choices and it's and it's a lot of subtle strategy. Yeah, I just thought the turns took a little too long for my taste and there wasn't enough of that like thrilling pirate feel. There's a couple of things that could have made me appreciate this game more. One would have been more varied art. You know, I will point out that only mm-hmm. one, there was only one female player character and she was obviously drawn for sex appeal. And, um, you know, there were plenty of ugly white dudes to choose from. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think you, you know, beautiful pirate girls and ugly guy pirates to choose from shows much creativity. I have tried so hard in design and like, you know, I, with my crew, I struggle with this sometimes. I want them to put an average looking girl in there into a game at some point. Yeah. You can't it just, you ask an artist to draw you a woman and even female artists and they have a hard time giving you an average looking woman. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, I mean not all artists. But I mean we hired a female artist and we still had trouble getting the women to look like one of the women to look average. Like actual women, yeah. Yeah, like actual people. Who aren't supermodels. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. I don't even know what average means, but I would just like some choices that aren't specifically designed, you know, to have uh, you know, lips open, cleavage out. Yeah, right. I would like to see someone more like remember the movie Time Bandits? Remember the ogre who was the pirate captain on the ship his his wife you know she was that that would be cool to see non-stereotypical outside the template of you know woman on the ship right right i agree and um i think that might have been an initial turnoff and i i think it might have been all downhill from there (laughs) (laughs) i feel i mean i feel like despite the uh you know the lack of diversity there i still think it had a good look and feel for a pirate game like there was a bag of actual coins that you can reach into and the art did feel still piratey to me so I mean, I thought the art was really good quality. I mean, I, I can see what you're talking about maybe for could use some more diversity, but the the quality of the art, I think it's actually very good. And they're on very nice, uh, large cards, so the art actually stands out more because of yeah, that. Yeah, I love the size of the cards. That was great. Yes. Well, now as far as the coins go, though, you have to be careful because if you want metal coins, you're you're talking about something that would have a raised surface on it. No, a ray, a ray coin can't work because you're going to reach into the bag and grab the one by field. Then. So that draws the cost Cost of production goes way up. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. A poker chip might be good. Yeah. I mean, I get that there's technical challenges to improving the tactile sense of the game, you know, but something where the coins weren't just made out of cardboard would have helped me, right. you know? I mean, especially since I'm reaching into a bag. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get that the coin, it's cost prohibitive. I'm just saying <laughs> it would have been fun. Yeah. We use uh, a bag filled with... Uh, Wooden coin that they put sold as an extra item. Oh, that's right. That's right, Ed. Yeah, we used wood. Yeah. She wants super premium. She doesn't want that weak premium stuff. <laughs> uh, especially with the wooden coins. I thought they they look and feel really good. But no jingle. My coins need to jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coins need to jingle. Yeah, resin poker chips have a kind of a, a better weight to them, maybe, and they do clack together, at least. It's not a jingle. Yeah, there is it's a, a clicky clacky. <laughs> it's a clack. It's halfway there. <laughs> yeah, you're halfway there with a clack. Did anyone else feel the game might have been a little unbalanced that any one of the eight characters you drew from 
just un- unbalanced compared to the well, other. Well, the characters aren't made to be balanced. I mean, they're they're numbered. That, that That's why I switch them each turn. Yeah, that's why going first is an advantage, because you get to pick a better character or something more suited to the cards in your hand. When it comes around to uh, the all-hands-on-deck phase, you, you actually reveal some information of your hidden coins, and the hi- one with the highest value there actually gets to choose their person. For, or they actually take the captain, and then subsequently everybody gets to choose their crewmate. So that's the phase where you have a chance to get the unbalanced better character. They did have some um mm-hmm. that each one of them had a foil to it which was important too though. Yeah. No, I mean the captain's so. far and away the, you know, the best character to play at first glance, but you know everybody mm-hmm. I mean he's the first choice to steal from cuz you know he's got more right, money. Exactly. Right, he'll have the most to take yep. from. I think as the rounds go on, you need to be a little bit more careful with the ones you pick and you have to be more careful that they work with the cards in your hand. And also your situation. For example, if you have the black bot, you yeah. can't right. win, period, even if you have the most money. So there's a character that helps you get rid of those cards. So you know, if you have the black bot, you probably uh, want to play the first mate, maybe, which you can give away a coin. No, I had like both black spots and the lead slug. It was, it was awful. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get rid of them for more than a turn or two. They kept showing up. The awful minus five coin. Yeah. Yeah. It's in some ways worse than the black spot, although, you know, you do have to get rid of the black spot if you eventually want to win. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite part was the cut and run phase. It was a fun phase. Oh, yeah, man. I like that. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. It's a good mechanic. It really it's, is. It's a nice game mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot because everybody puts their hands in and who's going to cut and run is all revealed at the same time. And then you could stop them with cards from your yeah. hand. I was trying to cut and run and I had a pretty decent situation. And of course, Celeste had talked to Jacques the Monkey a little earlier and got some advice on how to make me not cut and run when I wanted to. Everybody ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, reveal. Cutting and running, son. Uh, no, oh, you're not. Uh-oh. I get half to stay. Oh, that's cool. I'm staying. Yeah. All right. Sticking Welcome around. Back, thanks. Man. Hey, you know what? I wasn't really going to leave anyway. I couldn't leave you guys. You're the greatest. <laughs> well, you lost me, <laughs> And it totally uh-huh. hamstringed me. It was a good move. Captain, I'm going into port for just a little while to buy some more rum. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, why exactly are you taking your duffel bag and your bedroll? <laughs> well, to carry all the rum back in, of course. Yeah. I like Jacques the Monkey. It's He's a cool part of the game, honestly, like being able to pay for cards that screw your neighbor. Yeah. And uh, Smirk and Dagger is known for their backstabby games. Uh-huh. Yeah, the pirate code cards go all over the place. They're really, really yeah. different, and they really, really screw your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, and I really appreciated that the art allowed for just an average-looking monkey. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> try to get a sexy monkey. No. Yeah, you where's know. the sexy monkey? I thought he was a pretty sexy monkey. <laughs> All right, so it's time to decide whether to dig up or bury Dread Curse. Ed, how about you? Oh, I dig it up. I mean, who else is going to have uh, a lot of ton to steal and plunder from your friends? <laughs> Joe, how about you? I've always liked games that hand out a different role to each player, so a game that lets every player change their role to a different role on every single turn is even more unpredictable, (laughs) which is why I like this so much. Dredge it back up from the briny depths. (laughs) Evan, how about you? I have to go after that? I know. (laughs) That's tough to follow. All right, I too will dig it up. It's a quick game, even if you think it's just I. It goes quickly, so good game. <laughs> and Mike, how about you? Uh, I appreciate the fact that it accommodates a lot of players and gets an entire room full of people speaking in pirate jargon. Dig it up. 
It gets the rum flowing. <laughs> the best. Yeah, and if you're not sick of pirate accents and you're still really into them, then this game might be for you. But I'm going to have to say bury it. Uh, I thought the rules were too strict and they made me wait a little too long for my turn. And uh, I could have done with more variety in the art. So, Mike, where can you find this game? Uh, you can get this game online at smirkanddagger.com or you can also find them at your local game conventions. They usually have a booth. Um, it runs you about 30 bucks on average. Okay, we'd love to hear from you if you have anything to say about Dread Curse. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, up next we have Dune. It was designed by Future Pastimes, which is the design team which also created Cosmic Encounters. Published by Avalon Hill in 1979, number players 2 to 6, ages 12 and up. Ed, you brought this to the table. Where'd you find it? Oh, I picked this game up at a, a game store in Virginia while I was traveling. It was a rare find. Oh, and tell us a little bit about how it's played. Players each take on the role of one of the factions attempting to control Dune. The basic rules are fairly simple, but each faction has special powers that allow them to break the rule completely. Each turn, players deal with deadly storms, spike blows, and sandworms. Deal in treachery in combat with the other factions as you attempt to control Dune and its spice. Combat takes the form of hidden bids with additional treachery cards to further the uncertainty of the battle. Political alliances may be formed to achieve a shared victory or to prevent others from becoming too strong. Okay, and why did you bring Dune to the group? It's a, a classic board game from the creators of Cosmic Encounters, which is highly asymmetric gameplay. It's also one of the few games to have the Dune license, which is an epic sci-fi book from Frank Herbert. Yeah, in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like a used game, or was it a brand new game? Oh, it's definitely a used game. Oh, okay. And the store had a selection of used games? That's really cool. What was the name of the store? The Complete Strategist in Virginia. Oh, that's a chain, right? It is a chain. So we were all at the table for this game, Mike. What did you think? Um, heavily themed games sometimes sacrifice their gameplay to stay true to the source material. And I feel like Dune is not an exception to that rule. Hmm. And Evan, how about you? Well, you didn't have to read the books or see the movie to really understand the game. And that comes from someone who did not read the books. And I have never seen the movie start to finish in one sitting. So take it from me. <laughs> and Joe, how about you? I like both the art and the map design of this game. The look of it is aged very well. The cardboard tokens, well, they seem very hard to stack and very easy to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And Ed, how about you? I must not fear. Fear is a mind killer. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Good, good review. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to agree with Ed. It really does evoke the spirit of Dune very well. I mean, gosh, I love the art. In this game, it was so fantastic. Very vintage, emotional expressions. Um, you know, for a complex, highly detailed novel and a world... This game was simple while still evoking the faction-laden feel of the world. Yeah, it was a simple game, but by nature, they wanted to have the different characters break the rules. So that takes away some of the simplicity. Not much. I mean, it's still pretty easy to understand, but each player had a lot of unique stuff they could do. Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes learning the game a little bit of a challenge. The rules are very simple, but to play the game well, I mean, for strategy purposes, it's helpful to know where all the faction powers are, and that takes a little bit of time. And I think 
um, a playthrough to really grab. Yeah, I agree. But I was able to grab it. And I think I was sucked in by the great look of the game. And that made me want to read all the rules and follow them. Mm -hmm. So when you get your character, it's on a flat card. But you fold the card into a box that stands up in front of you. Yeah, it's like a tiny player screen. A little, right, player screen. Or... Yeah, yeah. So everybody gets their own screen. And you tuck all your cards and chips behind it so nobody can see. No one knows how much spice you have. Yeah, and most importantly, for me, the picture of your faction, who you were playing, is on the front of the card. So you, it's displayed for everybody else to see. And that really helped. That made me so curious about, you know, to find out more about that game world because, I, you know, I never read the novels. For some reason, I had this sort of fish lizard man guy look kind of like, I don't know, Lovecraftian Deep One or something standing there. And yet all the... Yeah, what was the name of the faction? The, the I played guild. the guild, which were all normal humans. Which sounds like normal people, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, it made me, left me wondering why is the, you know, why is this creature there? Are they are they aliens pretending to be humans or, you know, or what are are they? That's going to make me want to investigate the, the universe a little bit. Yeah, the, the guild have the monopoly on uh, space travel. <laughs> Here we go, Mike. Oh, yeah. The monopoly on space travel where every player pays all their money to them, which makes the <laughs> balance of this game all over the place. The distribution of wealth was outrageously out of whack. Well, hey, the emperor has plenty of money too, there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, everybody but me, as a matter of fact, had plenty of and, money. And the thing is, <laughs> and unlike the guild, the emperor can enter fights with a reasonable expectation to win a lot of them. <laughs> I mean the guild yeah. is the, the guild is the guild sucks at combat. Some factions are designed they don't need much spice, if any at all, such as the yeah. what did I play? The Fremen? The, yep. uh, the, the local inhabitants, uh, the uh, natives of the Dune. They're sort of like the mm -hmm. the rednecks of Dune. Yeah, <laughs> I, w I wouldn't put it that way, but yeah. My race needed spice but had no way to get it. Yeah, I mean I was broke the whole game too. Uh -huh. And it all it did was force me to really work with my special abilities. My group, I really only had my special abilities. I mean, it was hard for my group. The um, Atreides. Yeah, the Atreides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the Atreides were not flushing cash. And in this game, cash really gives you a lot of choices. Cash is the spice. Yeah, so I really <laughs> had to depend on my special abilities, which I would say were Midland. Yeah, right. Evan played two junk cards in his fight and then yeah. played one just to get rid of Yeah, them. I knew Evan was flushing junk. Yeah. <laughs> I watched yeah. She saw you it. Do it. Man, that, that, that is kind of fun to be able to just sit there and watch everybody. Like, I bid six. Well, congratulations. You've got trash. Yeah, you can just keep a list of all the treasure yeah. cards. Yeah, no, you did well. And that's where alliances come in to play. Because if you are playing one of these factions, which is very weak in certain areas, such as very low spice accumulation, if you can ally with someone who has the spice and you can you can tap into some of their abilities and advantages, it changes the game. In fact, it changed it so dramatic, dramatically for it. I felt like this was really kind of two games in one. There's the game where you're playing, you're by your, your own faction. And yeah. then once the alliances ha happen, it's almost like all bets are off at that point. Yeah, the game starts all over again. It's like a game within a game. We had a shuffle in the game that actually didn't really help us to even know what alliances were like until really late in the game, which after counting the cards in that stack, it was way against the mathematical probability that we hadn't seen one yet. Right. right. So specifically, alliances should have started much earlier in the game. And yeah, that would have made a big, big difference because I agree with Evan. This is an alliance game. Yeah. Diplomacy is a big part of the game. 
Yeah, I think that part is normal because I think you need several rounds to just build up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you trying to say that combat took a long time to get into? Because I distinctly recall turn one, Celeste <laughs> basically crippled me for the rest of the game on the first round. So it didn't take that well, long to get into combat. Let's just be honest you, here. You and Celeste <laughs> happen to start in the two spots that are so close to each other that combat has to break out. The, the only two spots on the game where people could actually encounter each other in the first turn. I, by far, the weakest position with regard to combat prowess, and yet I was considering doing a surprise really? attack on you. Yeah, because I was terrified of you. Of me? Of Harkonnen? Yeah. I had half my pieces off the board in the first turn. You and your treacherous ways. Yeah, all your treachery. I mean, I didn't want to fight you, and actually, all of my emperor troops ended up in the dead pile. From fighting you, Mikey. Not from fighting me. You didn't fight me. And everybody me at all. was wondering why I didn't do more at the end. Because everybody's dead. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that, Ed. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Mike, I, I think the faction you were playing, you just had like mm -hmm. epically bad luck. I mean the the bad luck of me picking your highest general as your mm -hmm. traitor, the traitor, yeah, to betray you for my benefit. That that was just bad luck. Of course, and you started the game within striking range of my spot. Okay, okay we gotta say that. All right, so <laughs> all right, so let's kill everyone now. Murder. Mike, I don't want you to get upset. Uh, is anyone surprised? <laughs> is any single person yeah. pattern the surprised? No, it's not a pattern. I happen to be next to him. He's got. <laughs> Nothing but build to do. There are other reasons, so here we go. Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and my character is supposed to be the master of treachery, yet you had a, a huge advantage over me in the treachery department, which is what my specialty is. That was not a really good starting position for me. Yeah, a total Yeah, luck. it was luck. I and mean, that's, that's something I wanted to mention, that luck plays a big part for that character. I agree. I mean, the combat system looked dull to me when I first, you know, when I was first looking through the rules and stuff. But as the game progressed, I started to appreciate the possibility, you know, that battles could have surprising results. And, and they regularly did. And, and that's largely because of the treachery cards. I, I managed to just barely pull out a shared win by the skin of my teeth, which I could not have done uh, without a last minute alliance with Celeste. Your reptilian teeth. <laughs> yeah, but also I could not have done it without you. Without your cash, I would have been in a much yeah. tougher position. And I, I thought I was in a hopeless position because, I mean, the tactical abilities of the guild's leadership are described by Jeffrey Vaca as crap Fantastic on the BoardGameGeek.com <laughs> strategy forums, and you'll find a comprehensive strategy post or thread posted for each faction in this game, at least one per faction yeah. on there, and they seem to have a pretty good grasp of what's going on there. So if you're interested in the game, you might want to give that a look. No, there's definitely a large following online for this game. Right, as old as it is, too, you know? Yeah, and I can see why. I mean, it's a simple, playable game in a reasonable amount of time, yeah. you know, for a mapped combat game. That's important. With this many players, yeah. Yeah. That you can reasonably expect to have it done in, you know, three hours. Mm, yes, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I think that's true for people who know the game. Yeah. We were all being cautious because we were playing the game for the, you know, well, I think we were all playing the game for the first time. Maybe not Ed. Uh, actually, this was my first time as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've seen it played before, but that was my first time actually playing it. Okay, so do we dig up or bury Dune? Joe, how about you? I say dig it up. This game has renewed my interest in Frank Herbert's Duneverse, even after my profoundly traumatic viewing of Sting's performance as Prince Spade Ruatha Harkonnen in the 1984 film, and that's saying something. Mike, how about you? Oh. <sighs> I feel like I'm about to put my nerd license in jeopardy here, but... uh. 
I would have to say, although I do want to play it one more time before I fully commit to saying this, but for now, I just have to say I would bury this game. It's got awkward balance, and I wasn't a fan of that. All right, Evan, how about you? I'm also going to bury the game. I, I think the swing the game took when the alliances occurred kind of broke it for me in a way, and since I'm not a huge Dune fan to begin with, I'll bury it, but not too deeply. Okay, Ed, how about you? Despite my flow, dig it up. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Ed. I love the look and feel of this game, despite the very hard to stack chips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a tiny issue, of course. But if you're Ed, you could bring out any number of cubes, circles, chips, stackable <laughs> items of oh, any kind. You so, mm -hmm. you know, to get alternate game pieces for your armies. Yeah. If you're a fan of the Duneverse, this interactive jaunt into Dune, I don't think will disappoint. Ed, where can you find this game? Uh, the game is actually out of print and it's Fairly hard to find, but there are copies available on eBay, Board Game Geek, or other auction sites. And I just checked, and they generally run from $150 up to as much as $300. Whoa! That's a lot of spice. You better be a big fan of the Duneverse. Yeah, but also Fantasy Flight Games put out a different implementation of the game called Wreck the Final Days of the Empire. And it's based on the Twilight Imperium universe. And that game is only for about 50 bucks. Hey. So it's a different version of the game? Yeah, it's the same rule structure, but it has the flavor of the Twilight Imperium universe you love so much. Oh, very <laughs> cool. Oh, I yeah. see. It's not about doing it all. It's about the Twilight Imperium universe, you know, Rex Imperium. <laughs> and there are also very good print and play, play versions out there as well. Yeah, yeah. If you're not the emperor and don't have unlimited mm -hmm. cash. <laughs> spice, spice, no, spice. The spice. All right. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything to say about Dune, we are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, our last game this week is Three on a Match by Milton Bradley. Number of players, three to four, ages 10 and up. Evan, mm -hmm. you presented this game. Did. Where did you find it? I found this game when I turned around, and Celeste, you placed it in my hands. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think the backstory is that you had found the game at a local thrift shop with a very attractive $1.99 price tag on the cover. Yeah, an old $1.99 sticker. Love it. And tell us a little bit about how it's Three played. of a Match is based on the 1970s television game show of the same name. There are three contestants, and Ed, Joe, and Celeste were our contestants. I played the role of MC, and Mike was my assistant host. So we actually got five people involved in the game. I was the Vanna White. Of this That's right. That's right. And I was the abusive drunk MC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I played it to a T. Mm -hmm. this, this is a trivia game. All questions are true-false questions. So that's it. True or false. The contestants make a bid, one to four, and it represents the numbers of questions they need to answer in a particular trivia category. If they have the advantage of being able to go first, and if they answer all their questions correctly, they win some cash. Once a player has accumulated a certain amount of cash that they've answered successfully all their questions in that category, they'll have the option of playing the bonus round. Now, in the bonus round... Bonus, 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 <clears throat> bonus, bonus. They bonus, will use bonus, their accumulated bonus. cash to buy <laughs> spots on a game board. There are three columns, and they're looking to win a prize by matching the same prize in all three columns. Hence the name of the game, Three on a Match. The first player to $5,000 in cash and prizes is the winner. 
Huge $5,000 game show. Woohoo! <laughs> hey, for 1972, you know. <laughs> Two months rent. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And Evan, why did you want to play this game? Well, if our audience hasn't figured it out by now, I think older games are fun to dust off and try. It's kind of a crapshoot as to whether it's a crummy old waste of time or a <laughs> long time lost classic worthy of rediscovery. Right. Let's find out about this one. Mike, what'd you think of the game? Well, if you judge games purely on your role-playing interaction with them, this is the best game we've played yet. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, it was fun. And Joe, how about you? Uh, I had stupid fun with this game. It never seemed to lag. We played it for something like three hours, at least three hours. <laughs> yeah. Ed, how about you? This may be the best 1970 game show I never saw. <laughs> Certainly is. If you're sitting at the table with Evan, Evan, how about you? Uh, the game played very much like the actual TV game show, and YouTube proves this to be true. That's for sure. Definitely, I highly recommend checking out the YouTube videos on Three on a Batch. <laughs> this game is significantly enhanced if you fully embrace the 70s-ness of it, like we did, with everything from the molded plastic prize display board oh, yeah. to the dated questions oh, yeah. <laughs> and the at-the-time modern prizes like an A-frame house. <laughs> Worth $1,800. A new camper. Yeah. <laughs> It was the 70s equivalent of a grain bin house. Yeah. The only thing missing was the gift certificate at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, speaking of dated, the true and false questions, again, with these old trivia games, they're so dated. Oh, <laughs> they're great. I love talking it. Talking about pop culture within a two-year window in the 50s. It's a time capsule of sorts. <laughs> oh, you know, it the is. nature yeah. of the questions they ask, they're so old school. I, yeah. There are 150 categories, okay, uh -huh. to choose from. That's a good amount of and several questions per category. I'd be shocked if maybe five of those questions appear in a modern school curriculum anywhere today. <laughs> right. It's a more cerebral version of The Price is Right. <laughs> Except you actually have to know things other than the price of a can of corn. Yeah, yeah. You know, the action with the dials and the significance of, the, of those simple number settings was, was very clever, where, you know, they're oh, yeah. more likely to go first, but you got to answer more questions. And the true-false format helped keep it quick. The dial was cool. It actually added a surprising level of strategy choice to the game. It becomes a bidding process. You're basically bidding that you're going to have the highest number without matching one of the other contestants, because if you match, you basically, you don't get to go first. It's got to be the individual who gets the highest dials and the highest number. Yeah, I I tried. I tried a different strategy with that. I was trying to like, oh, let let uh, uh, Celeste and Joe bid the high numbers, and if they match, I'll I'll have my one or two bid question will allow me to jump in and get uh get away easily. That worked several times for you. Right yeah, now. that paid off quite a bit for you. Yeah, which gives you the opportunity to do what you love best, Ed, which is answer the least <laughs> amount of trivia questions possible. Exactly. <laughs> win win. Except for 50-50 odd. Don't have to end up at 50-50 chances. Yeah, sometime. meanwhile, Joe and I are elbowing each other the entire game to answer the most possible trivia questions yes. we can. Yeah, you add oh, up no. the three numbers yeah. that the people dialed in, and that represents how much cash you win times 10. So 443 would represent $110 of cash you would win if you answer in 
your three questions correctly. Yeah, the dialers are really cool. They're designed the way they're designed. Who would have thought that a board game based on a moderately popular game show from the seventies would have the yeah. cool little design it was like well that? Well thought out. I did some re- research on the show, and what was according to what TVTropes.com, the chief of NBC personally killed this game show, despite its consistently carrying the tumbleweed-ridden 1:30 p.m. weekday time slot that had been a revolving door of doom <laughs> since Monty Hall's "Let's Make a Deal." jumped ship to ABC six years earlier. It looked everybody like a terrible move at the time, but but it was starting the trend of saying, we're getting rid of these of these cardboard-looking sets hosted by these boring middle-aged men. We're going to start using <laughs> things that light up and, uh, you know, actually show, actually show no. that we have electricity in the studio, you know? I think you touched on something there, Joe. Boring middle-aged men uh, hosts of the game now. <laughs> Yeah, if if you can come up with more of, of a of a more dynamic oh, yes. persona, uh-huh. if you can come up with something that's a little more interesting, I think the, the the NBC executives would have found that the game would have taken on sort of a new life of its own. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yours, Evan. Well, yeah. if you had been the host of this '70s show using the persona you used when hosting for us, which was, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, your host. Skip Decent. Skip Decent. I'm Skip Decent, and welcome to Three on a Match. <laughs> this show would still be running today if they'd kept Skip Decent on the show. Played flawlessly yeah. and with nuance by Evan Bernstein. Yeah. Uh, I think we infused all the fun we could into it, and that was great. Uh, the, the advertising. Oh, mwah. Okay, so every time Skip Decent was about to flip over a winning card, he would stop. A winning reveal on the the prize board. (laughs) He'd stop for a word from our sponsor. Now, Celeste, you can stop now or you can continue your bonus round. Yes, okay, I will continue, Skip. I'd like to see the red 20. She's chosen the red 20. Celeste, may we have your $20? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen. Before we reveal, I'd like to. Paul Mall cigarettes are just the finest cigarettes you can smoke these days. Also in ladies' flavor. Yes. Ladies' flavor. <laughs> Extra slim. I mean, with a name like uh, that's a household name, yeah. folks. I mean, oh, it is. On. Totally. And that's a name you could trust. You'll yeah. buy a used car from Skip Decent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I ended, I ended up playing the Vanna White type character this uh, thing. I didn't actually play the game, but I was, you know, part of it. And uh, I was totally mm-hmm. overshadowed by Skip Decent. <laughs> I was no way I could hold up to that. <laughs> that's right. Now, I had to put you in your place a couple of times, like any 1970s <laughs> alpha Ouch. male would have done. Yes. Certainly. It was absolutely true. <laughs> yes. It was very true to the so genre. Good. Yeah. Your laissez-faire attitude, Evan, as you, I assume, became progressively more intoxicated. Of course. Evan Bernstein, as Skip Decent, was so inspiring. He absolutely raised the bar and raised up the performance of the rest of us to, uh, at that table, to play 70s game show contestants. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys were into it, especially when those big reveals and those big prizes were were won. You guys were jumping (laughs) and clapping and hollering. It it was like a real live studio audience was there. I I felt like I'd actually won (laughs) (laughs) $5,000. Wow. The illusion was complete. Joe gave some loud male yeses, like a good, awkward contestant from an early 70s show. (laughs) But his contestant did finally win the game 
he even yeah. inappropriately kissed the neighboring female contestant on the mouth. Oh. Because, because, you know, yeah. That's a 70s thing to do. It was not 1972 inappropriate. Though. And I think that head of the network had a good point that even though this took place in the 70s, it did very much feel like a 60s show. It was very old fashioned. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Three on a match. Do we dig it up or bury it? Joe, how about you? I have to say dig this up. I just had too much fun with it not to. And I'm not just saying that because Evan does such a mean Ron Burgundy imitation. <laughs> Stay classy, gamers. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about you? Uh, it was a lot of fun participating in a really good role play with a bunch of great role players. But I think like after two plus hours, I don't see wanting to do this exact same thing again. So I'd say for you guys out there, find a great host, play it one time to the bone, and then bury it. Mm-hmm. Ed, how about you? I'd have to agree with Mike. If you can bring Evan Bernstein to your house, <laughs> yeah. the half from MC the game, well. then absolutely you must do it. Or if you want to have Celeste blow a question <laughs> on uh, what Ranker Marquis is, then, but otherwise, bury She'll it. never live oh, that down. I will oh. never again forget that a Marquis <laughs> is above an Earl and below a Duke. That is forever burned into your brain. Because of this game. Continue. Oh, so otherwise, uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's the best trivia game out there. I would probably find better ones if you don't have Evan to help play it. So bury <laughs> it. Yes. Okay, Evan. Well, I'm biased. I'm going to dig it up. I, th- I thought it was as advertised. Fun for the whole family. So it met its expectations. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Dig this game up. I would play it. Anytime with anybody, <laughs> even if we had to invent our own 70s questions <laughs> after we'd answered all the ones that came with the game. That's right. All right, Evan, where can we find three on a match? Well, Celeste, as you proved, you can find it in a local thrift store for about two bucks. But there are also versions online at the usual stops, eBay, Etsy and so forth, around 12 to 15 dollars. If you have thoughts about three on a match or skip decent, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash whichgamefirst. Our supporters get an additional, exclusive, full episode every other week. Follow us on your favorite social media site. We are at whichgamefirst on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And on iTunes, leave us a review if you get a chance. It helps others find the show. Join the conversation on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our Patreon subscribers get access to exclusive channels. Okay, game explorers, roll those dice, draw those cards, stack those cubes. Happy gaming! <laughs>